how do we find balance between a healthy ego and healthy coexistence with others? On one hand, when we're driven by self-interest, it seems to be inherently contradicting the idea of cooperation with others. So even though we could cooperate, but still, the self-interest drives us. This is the second part of a new two-part course, The Selfless Ego. What's mine is yours. Please join me. Last week we discussed why not be selfish. Today we shall discuss the powerful symbiosis and synergy created, not just by compromising, by actually complementing each other and becoming greater in the process. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and I welcome you to the second part of a new two-part course called The Selfless Ego. In this second part, what's mine is yours. This program is dedicated in honor of Emmanuel ben Yitzchak Halevi and Gittel bas Yitzchak HaKohen. Last week, in the first part, we discussed why not be selfish? And to sum up, the main point was because the inherent you is not a selfish entity. The inherent you is actually a giver, is a transcendent individual that is fed by connecting, by reaching out, by helping others. And indeed, we become far greater. The self becomes greater when it's selfless. And hence, the selfless ego. So in other words... It's not just the right thing to do that many people say to be selfish is not right. You have to be giving, charitable, kind, generous. It's not all about you. It's the right thing to do, especially if you're blessed with different gifts. You need to share. It's far deeper than that. The very essence of who you are is not just about a self-contained, selfish narcissist. It's about something far greater. And we see that in nature. We see that in our human body. With all the different 30, 40, 75 trillion cells, a healthy body, they all work together. Different organisms, different organs, different limbs, different parts, components. In a fascinating, eloquent way, they work in this seamless harmony, the harmony within diversity. And frankly, everything of beauty is that Beautiful music, beautiful art is not one-dimensional. It has many different components that if you separated them, you wouldn't even know that they could work together. And then you see them come together. Wow. Nature. Whether it's photosynthesis, whether it's the way cross-pollination of bees pollinating and how the cooperation, but more than cooperation, the word synchronicity Harmony is just simply amazing. We human beings, because of our free will, we can choose to either work that way or not to, unfortunately. 
And that's where destruction comes into play. So we made the case, and it was very clear, how selfishness is not going to let you be the best you can be. So the irony is, selflessness, selflessness is actually the most selfish thing you can do. Today, in part two, titled, What's Mine is Yours, we're going to discuss and take this to the next level of really appreciating how our interaction makes each of us greater and richer and how we can actually implement it in our lives. I think a good place to begin is a fascinating Mishnah. A Mishnah is a section in the Talmud composed close to 2,000 years ago and this comes from the famous Ethics of the Fathers, Pirkei Avot. Chapter 5, Mishnah 10. Chapter 5, Section 10. And it says the following. There are four personality types. And here's what they say, each one. The first one says, what is yours is mine, what is mine is yours. And the sages classify this person, this is an Am Ha'aretz. Literally mean an earthy person, an ignorant person. Why? It sounds so beautiful. Because we also need boundaries. We have a self. To say what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine can also blur the boundaries that are necessary for a healthy organism. If the mind, the brain, was to say to the heart, what is mine is yours, and what is yours is mine, they will both not function properly. In the words of Hillel, famous words, if I am not myself, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? That's a critical component. Then he continues and says, if I am only for myself, what am I? But you need both. And he begins with the first point. You need to have an identity. I always love the, 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 the Kotzker Rebbe, the Menachem Mendel of Kotzker statement, which can be applied in so many areas. If I am I because you are you, and you are you because I am I, I am not, then you are not. But if I am I because I am I, and you are you because you are you, then I am and you are. A healthy relationship is one entity, I am I because I am I. We're not defined by each other. We're defined by our own identity. And the other says, and I am I because I am I, then they come together. One does not annihilate the other. So though there's an element of sharing, but the Amaras, this first category, blurs the boundaries altogether. The key is to recognize that the violinist is not the pianist, and yet they can work together in perfect harmony and complement each other. Then comes the category number two that the statement is made, the Mishnah says. The person who says, what is mine is mine, what is yours is yours. And this is classified as a person called midabainanis, the average person. Meaning it's not a positive, it's not a negative. But then... In the usual way, it's never simple. The plot thickens. But yes, Imrim, there's another opinion. This is a sodomite personality. In Sodom, that's what they said. I don't need you, you don't need me. Let's keep apart from each other. Eliminating the whole concept of coordination. 
and cooperation and coexistence and supporting each other and synergizing and cross-pollinating goes against the very nature of all of existence. So why is the first opinion say it's only average? Because on the surface level, if you don't dig deeper, you could say, you know what? Live and let it live. But when you dig deeper, you realize it's undermining the most important element that follows individuality and individual identity, and that is that no, it's not what mine is mine and yours is yours. Everything gets destroyed then. There's no commerce, there's no negotiation, there's no interaction, there's no cooperation, there's no creating something greater than the sum of the parts. Think about a relationship that's what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. So in the contrast to the first personality, the first personality was the opposite. What's yours is mine, what's mine is yours. Here it goes the other way, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. That's Digging deeper is a negative because it undermines the very nature of the coordination necessary for all life to exist. Then comes the third personality that says, what, you, what is yours is yours and what is mine is yours. The title of this second part of the course. This is called a chassid, a righteous person. Not even a tzaddik. A tzaddik is a righteous person. A chassid is more than a righteous. goes beyond the letter of the law. Chassid. Because he's not losing his identity. This is coming from strength. It's recognizing, it's recognizing what's yours is yours and I respect that. But know that I have the strength and the ability to also give and feel that what mine is, what is mine is also yours. In contrast to the first personality that loses all boundaries, here they're coming from strength, not from weakness. And then finally, the fourth personality. The bottom of the rung, in a way. It says, what is mine is mine, and what is yours is mine. That's a Russia. That's a wicked person. That's total selfishness. The second category says, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. There's still a consideration that at least... You're not trying to take away someone else's. Here, everything is me. And that goes, that destroys everything. Then there's absolutely nothing to talk about. So we're going to focus, of course, on number three. What's mine is yours. And how that works exactly. Because you could ask the question, one second. Doesn't that sound a little reckless? I understand you're charitable, you're giving but don't you have an identity of your own? Why are you uh, compromising that? You respect someone else, but you have to also respect yourself. But the truth is, because the chassid recognizes this, uh, I said righteous is the word for tzaddik, but it can go beyond the letter of the law. The one who goes even beyond righteous appreciates that the self itself, the very self of an individual is not their own. It belongs to God. It belongs to the whole. It belongs to the reality and truth of existence. That's really the statement. And that's why he's called a chassid. Because he understands the deeper story. So what is this deeper story? You know, let's go back to a simple example. You ever see the end of a film? You'll see all the credits. I mean, it's always amazing. Hundreds and hundreds of credits. Besides the producers and executive producers, the director, the actors... You have the cinematographers, you have the film production, you have the art, the design, the music, the sound. I mean, Academy Awards, they give awards for many of these categories. But it's literally hundreds of names. And you always ask yourself, one second, why didn't their egos clash? 
And then you find out many, very often they did. But many of them destroys the project, and in many cases it doesn't destroy the project. I would say probably the majority of projects fall apart because of the clashes of ego and power and control. Not only ego, everyone thinks I know the best way, and they can't cooperate. But when you do see a film produce the final product, even though there still may be bad blood by some, but at least you give it credit, wow. And you know it couldn't have been done by one person. The same as in any situation I mentioned before, art and music. These are all beautiful products, beautiful creations that required many different details. And there's something about that combination, the harmony of the details, that is what we call beauty. The color blue, as beautiful as it is, or red, or green, or any other color, you don't call it beauty, it's a nice color. One musical note can be a nice note, but you keep playing it, it's monotonous. Beauty is when you take many different notes, many different colors, and you combine them in that perfect way, that seamless way, you say, oh, that's beautiful. A beautiful face. Is it the nose, the eyes, the ear, the mouth, the complexion, the forehead, the temple, the cheeks? It's a combination. There's studies have been done, what we, what we call a beautiful face. It's a certain harmony between all of them that they're just balanced properly. So what's the analyze what that means? So in the, the Kabbalists, especially the Hasidic masters, when they discuss this concept, they compare two paradigms. Say two, you can call them alter egos if, if you wish. In the Kabbalistic terminology, it's called toihu and tikkun. Literally chaos and repair. Chaos and order. Now, what does chaos mean? Today there's chaos theory. But chaos means that you have many different components, but they haven't yet found that formula for balance, cooperation, and what we'll call interconnectivity. Think of, unfortunately, God forbid, an unhealthy organism. We have different forces that they fight with each other for resources. The immune system turns on itself. And similar type of concepts. So in this world of Tayu, what you have is all the components are there. You have the cognitive, you have the emotional, you have the behavioral. You have the difference, you have love, you have discipline, restraint. You have other elements, but they're not perfectly coordinated to the point that they suffer from two problems. One, they don't leave space for one another. They're too self-contained. And second, they don't interact with each other properly. Now, of course, you need to deal with the first problem before you get to the second one. If, if like you have two people, uh, let's just use an example. When I do mediation, especially spouse, marriage, counseling, and so on, there are some situations where this couple do not want to come together. They don't want to sit at the same table. They don't want to look at each other. So not only, forget about cooperating, they're not even leaving room for one another. We're not getting in who's right, who's wrong. You know, they always say there's three stories. His story, her story, and the, and, the, and the true story. But you want to hear it all. So just to get people to sit in the same room, just to tolerate the presence, and then let each of them speak with the other one listening, that's itself an achievement. Then comes step two. Once you can get through that, how do you get them not just to listen to each other, but also to cooperate with each other, to realize that they need each other, that each one complements the other, and you become greater through the other, and the other becomes greater through you. So the two things are lacking. 
One in this world of Toyu, in this paradigm, called archetype, is where there are forces at work, there are healthy forces, but they have not learned to work together with each other. I mean, even, when, uh, even in technology or in engineering or in chemistry, you'll find such elements, especially in experimentation, where certain elements are brought together, try to make a compound, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Independently, they are fine, but they can't come together. Water, of course, is the perfect example of H2O, hydrogen and oxygen, H2 to O, oxygen, and they work together. But there are some elements that are very, they're, they're, they're antithetical to each other. There have been experimentation. You do certain things that you can create alloys and, com and compounds, but it's not always possible. So in this paradigm, you're dealing with different forces that, number one, don't repel each other or at least don't tolerate each other. And the second problem is there's no real cooperation. In the world of tikkun, in the world of repair, the healthy, the healthy version, the healthy paradigm, it works this way. These forces are there, but they have a certain, they've been humbled. In the Hasidic terminology, it's called bittel, a form of, a little like lowering the volume, quieting of the self, that number one allows for being open to create space for the other, and secondly, to actually work with each other. You can identify any given situation, any argument, any quarrel, and whether it's between human beings, whether it's between spouses, between family members, between community members, or between nations and empires. And as well as in the physical world, when different combinations are mixed together, mixtures and compounds and so on, you can easily identify with looking closely what is going on. Why is it not working? And you immediately see that you have forces at work that are not able to either tolerate each other or they actually repel each other and definitely don't know how to work together. So just by having this formula of these two paradigms, that alone is tremendously helpful. So when the Mishnah talks about the four different individuals or personality types, it's talking about four paradigms as well, not four different approaches when you're dealing with two entities. One approach is that is, is an annihilation of both individuality. What's yours is mine, what's mine is yours. Another is what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours, which is separating the two. The fourth one is what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine, which is basically annihilating and swallowing up, obliterating the other. And then there's what's yours is yours and what's mine is yours. Because I realize, I realize that I am not a self-contained entity. I actually belong to the whole, to the harmony of it all. And I'm submitting to that. Now the other person may not feel that way. That's why the chassid says, this, uh, this righteous person goes beyond the letter of the law, says, at this point, what's yours is yours. One day that person may also be a chassid and he'll say, what's yours is yours and what's mine is yours. But it's not like the amara, it's the ignorant one, that just begins that way by saying there's no identities altogether. Because it's the appreciation of both the individual and the harmony. The other three personalities don't have that. Each in their own way, the problem. 
And that's why it does fall apart. In the world of Tayu, the Kabbalistic paradigm, what do they call it? Shvira Takelim. The containers shatter. They break. Because they can't, they can't cooperate with each other. They can't tolerate each other. So they ultimately go to war. Not physical war, but metaphorically speaking, it falls apart. Like any project would fall apart where you have many strong talents, great talents, but they can't work together with each other. Either the problem is that there's no space, they repel or cannot tolerate one another, or they can't cooperate with each other. So the key operative word to change that is to recognize, humbly recognize, that we are part of something far greater, and that does not make us less, that makes us stronger. So it's not about just taking, figuring out a trick, like let's go back to Hollywood. Okay, here are a bunch of egos, but since self-interest drives them, whether it's money, whether it's success, whether it's a successful project, so they choose to somewhat allow themselves to work with others. Have they actually really become one family? In most cases, not. Sometimes that happens, which is beautiful. But, but there, you can say it for practical purposes, mutual interest, mutual self-interest has caused this cooperation. We're talking about something much deeper on the nature level, on the body level, where it's not just you're getting them together. You're actually each individual's understanding, because like in the film scenario, the Hollywood, the egos remain just as strong, even if they produced a... a, a a successful film. Well, the same thing with other projects. What we're looking for is that actually you come to realize a new take on individuality. That individuality is absolutely necessary, but not because of your ego, because of insecurity, or because you need to hold on to your turf because someone else may take it from you. So you need to fight for yourself. But because the very essence of truth and reality wants individuality. And this introduces a topic that one of the great Kabbalists and cited by many others states. He's talking about the Ein Sof, the divine infinite. And he says the following. Just as the divine infinite has the power to create the infinite, it also has the power to create the finite. Because if it doesn't, then that's itself making it finite, limiting it that it can only be infinite. Which in simple terms means that true unity, because of its truth, actually creates infinite Multitudes, infinite diversity. Because it's not limited just to being a clone, just to being one-dimensional. Its power is one that's beyond the one and beyond the many, and thus they both come together. And interestingly, the Founding Fathers, and this country, look at your currency, look at your every U.S. currency, e pluribus unum, from the many one. They clearly took this idea from these mystical teachings, for the many one, how is that possible? If there are many, they're not one. If they're one, they're not many. Because there's a level that's beyond one and beyond many. And that is that invisible conductor, that invisible coordinator that can take many parts and they work together seamlessly. Not just begrudgingly, not just uh, by, because of no choice. Because there's a force that's beyond the individual and beyond the many. And that's what brings them together. So how do we open ourselves up to that? We have to get out of our delusional ego that thinks I am just me. And at best, I will allow others into my life because it complements me and some way I will benefit. You know?
And that can manifest in different, three different personality types, have we said. You know, there are some people who will work with someone else, but they really, it's all about me. It's just the me is, is served by you for the time being. You know the classic joke, two guys go camping, middle of the night, one of them wakes up, he hears rustling, he looks outside, there's a big bear. A bear? Cool. He wakes up his friend, he says, we got to get out of here. And while he's doing so, he's tying his shoelaces on his sneakers. His friend says to him, why are you tying your shoelaces? You think you can outrun the bear? He says, no. All I have to do is outrun you. Many people will resonate this type of approach. But you know what? Name of intelligence or coexistence, we need each other. But that's a tolerance thing at best. It's because we haven't reached stage three. We've reached that my individuality at least understands I need to work with you. So it's not completely... Like the fourth category of the person says, mine is mine, yours is mine. That's all about me. At least it's masquerading or more so actually giving someone something because you get something in return. But then we come to understand that we are powerful individuals, not just because we're, as I said, insecure or because the nature of the physical world is that it has to hold on to its time and space, because that's what identifies us, you come to realize that truth and reality transcends individuality, and at the same time gives you the most individual power that you can possibly have. So the, the, the irony is that the individuality itself is coming from a place that's beyond the individual, but even beyond the many, not just the public good, the common good. It's coming from a place that's beyond numbers, beyond finite and beyond infinite, beyond individuality and beyond cooperation, and thus creates actual total harmony. When you see a healthy body working, you don't say, oh, wonderful how all these machine parts are all working together. You literally see oneness. It just manifests in many details. Look at a newborn child, the way their chest heaves up and down, the lungs working perfectly. And the rest of the person, before pollution and congestion and all the other toxins roll in. It's a perfect harmony. You see seamlessness. Seamlessness is not a contradiction to diversity. You see the harmony. When you listen to music, beautiful music, really beautiful music, you're not thinking, oh, wow, how great this musician is, was able to bring together these chords, these sounds. You just hear that flow. You just hear the harmony. You close your eyes, you get completely absorbed by it, consumed, lifts you and transports you to another time and place. You're hearing unity, not diversity. However, it's the harmony within the diversity. Where's that third invisible synergetic force that's neither the individual and even not the sum of the parts? That is component number three. That's what we're seeking. So it's mine is yours. Our approach to life in this context is that giving is the greatest thing you can do for yourself and for the entire health of the entire organism and the entire existence. Now that's the mindset. If you think like that, your life changes. Because you wake up in the morning not thinking, okay, what do I need? What am I going to get? What am I going to take? You think in terms of what am I going to give? My uniqueness, my unique blessings, gifts, talents, skills, 
How is that going to help the larger whole? Now I know it goes, it's antithetical to the common, common accepting uh, axiom, I should say, the popular, uh, to the popular, to pop the popular wisdom, which is take care of yourself first. Conventional thinking. Yes, be kind, be generous, don't be too selfish, too greedy. Here becomes, comes the other way around. I am not here first, and then I figure out how to work my life. I was put here. I'm here on a mission. I was sent here by a higher reality that's more than just any detail. And that's the greatest gift, because then I'm not negligible. It's not an accident. It's not just circumstantial existence. I matter because I come from a greater reality that put me here. That's not something which is optional. It's indispensable. So does that make you a greater person or a lesser person? Far greater. Most people today, ask them, 8 billion people on this planet almost, or counting. What significance does my life have? Yes, it's significant to me, to my family, for my immediate needs. I'll try to make as much money and be comfortable as I can, protect myself, be healthy. But what am I? It's like one grain of sand on a beach of billions and trillions of grains of sand. With this approach, the exact opposite, this grain is chosen to be here by something that's beyond all the grain. It's not a numbers game. It's qualitative. And your role and your mission is absolutely necessary. And at the same time, someone else's role and mission is absolutely necessary. And there's no competition because you're all part of that larger whole. That's even greater than a whole, greater than a multitude and greater than a, a unity. So true unity is not just one and not many. It's one reality that encompasses all diversity. That's true oneness, true harmony. And that translated is not just a philosophical, theological concept. It's translated is that my life is here to serve. I'm here to give. And that's not a surrender. That's not a statement from weakness where people say, look, Look at this sissy. Look at this sucker. Always giving to others. Why not taking care of themselves? No, this is the truest expression of self possible. And it's a self that does not die. Because it's not just driven by its own self-contained resources. It's driven by a higher, greater narrative. By a larger picture. Imagine having a life like that where you're so confident and so secure that you can say what's mine is yours. I was blessed with knowledge. It's yours. It's not mine. It's given to me. I'm a gift. I'm a channel. It's given to me as a gift. I'm a channel. And I'm here to share. And make it yours. And what's yours is yours. And of course, if both people are in the same boat, they'll both be saying the same thing. What's yours is yours and what's mine is yours. That's where you know you have a healthy society. Whenever I counsel couples, I say, you know what my goal is? Not just that you get along. Not just you don't fight. Not just that you have tools how to deal with tensions and difficulties and disagreements that you both see each other absolutely necessary, not just as ne- they're necessary, but necessary for you. You see that person necessary. But more than that, the real litmus test is that when there's a disagreement, each of you is able to represent the other person. Where the, the husband says to the wife, You're, I'm going to do it the way you want because that's what I believe. And you fight for the other person as if it was your position. And imagine the other spouse, the wife doing exactly the same. That's what you want. That they reverse roles. 
that the position that one had, instead of digging in, on the contrary, the other person says, yes, your position makes total sense to me. And the other one says that to the other. And that's not like the Amar is the first category, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. It's coming from the strength, that's what's yours is yours, and what's mine is yours. It's completely doable, I have seen it in action. So it's a mindset, it's a heart set, it's a soul set. But then it's translated in simple things. From the moment we wake up, we say, thank you. Modani, thank you. Gratitude for returning my soul to me. Which is, of course, sets the tone that first of all, you have this unique, indispensable soul. Secondly, you'll do everything to actualize it. And thirdly, you'll always show gratitude to those around you. Thank you for what you've done. I appreciate it. But furthermore, and ultimately, we're constantly seeking to cross-pollinate. We're constantly seeking to synergize. And we bring our strengths to it. But we bring it with humility. My strengths do not in any way weaken or compromise yours. Your strengths can only help me grow. And not in a selfish way. You understand that way. And mine are yours. What is mine, what's mine is yours. Use it well, allow yourself to grow from it, transcend. And then the rest of the day, when you go to work, or with, first with your family, work, strangers, online, take that attitude, share it. You know, put up, put down, write down these, these lines. What's yours is yours, what's mine is yours. But especially with the focus of what's mine is yours. It creates a climate, an atmosphere of sharing, of giving, which is the healthy sign of any organism, that it breathes. It doesn't just inhale, it exhales. <clears throat> it doesn't just contract, it expands. It's a constant pulsating process where there's a give and take, but not as a negotiation, but because that's the healthy structure and harmony of how a higher reality put things into place. And ultimately, you're experiencing that higher reality that is, transcends the individual and the group. The individual and the multitudes and the diversity. So it's not a compromise. It's the way it was always meant to be. A unity then, then branches into individuality, which in turn all connects together to that higher unity, harmony within diversity. It's an honor to share these two Classes are part of this new course, The Selfless Ego. The first part, Why Not Be Selfish. The second part we did today, What's Mine Is Yours. This is Simon Jacobson from Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. If you've enjoyed this, please share with others. Give us your feedback. Like it. Subscribe. And above all, we'd love to hear suggestions and thoughts and ideas for further programs. We're living in challenging times, which can bring out the worst in us at times, which is how different we are, or it can bring out the best in us, how much we need each other, and how we complement each other. It's our, my sincere hope, our sincere hope, that this program, as well as all our programs, are directed toward that goal and achieve that goal, the oneness, the harmony within our diversity. May we merit to see and experience an entire world with 8 billion people, and different nations and cultures and races and colors all see it that way. We're all part of one larger cosmic symphony, creating this magnificent, extraordinary music. Thank you very much. MeaningfulLife.com
Look forward to hearing from you. Be well, stay healthy. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.